Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello everybody. <laughs> You're getting all the behind the scenes stuff. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. We're so glad y'all are here. If you're a long time watcher or a newcomer, we're just glad that you're here. Oh, P.S. Somebody was asking me this week, don't miss this. We're not telling you like not to miss us. <laughs> we're telling you, <laughs> we're not commanding you. We're telling you, here are a couple things in the scriptures we think that you don't want to miss. So that's where the name came from and that's what it is. Okay. Today we got two little letters from Paul that are in the New Testament that we're going to look at. It's Philippians and Colossians. Remember, it's um, always to a group of people. Um, Philippi is a place where Paul set up a church. And um, Colos, I think is how you say that. Really? Yeah. Okay. The Colossians are Colos. I thought you were trying to say close, but you're just not good at it. Like you're really close to me. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, that's going to be unique, that one, because he doesn't, Paul actually never goes to that place on his missions. Somebody else sets up the church, um, there in that place, and then they're going to come visit Paul. So both of these are kind of unique. We'll talk about this at the end of today, but, um, Paul's in prison, most likely in Rome, when he writes both of these letters to the saints that are in the both the places. So somebody will come visit him in jail and he sends a letter back out you know, um, kind of giving encouragement. And it's kind of neat. Um, Philippians is sort of known as like the joyful letter mm-hmm. of Paul. And it's cool. We were talking earlier that it's written from a jail and yeah, he writes and he's talking it, like, about joy and how to find joy and how to have joy. And it's kind of a, a weird place to be writing about joy, which makes you, if you were in one of those places, you're not sure if you want to be in, this would be a great place to read and just see how does Paul find joy in a really hard situation? Yeah, it's it's a it's great one. We're not going to focus too much on that, but it's a great book to go back through, you know, and looking through those kind of mm-hmm. eyes when you study. So we're gonna we are gonna start though with um, how needed is he is in jail, he is in prison, and he's still ministering from jail. That's what's so neat about Paul is that um, you'd think at that point, you're like, okay, I'm done. He's sort of like Joseph Smith writing those letters that are so enthusiastic from Mm -hmm. Liberty Jail. And you're kind of like, you should give up at this point. (laughs) You get a break. If you're in jail, it means you get a break, you know, but he's just like, no, I'm still doing the work. I'm still Mm -hmm. doing my thing. And in fact, you get evidence of him preaching to prison guards and, and other prisoners in these jails as well. And you're kind of like, who is this guy? You just love him. So something we love is at the beginning of, Philippians. Yeah, this part is so good. Right at the get-go, he's going to start off this letter and he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Now, just stop right there. I want you to think about that. Because when you introduce yourself to someone, what is the descriptor for you? Um, Like when you come in and you're like, I'm Emily Freeman and I'm an author or and I'm a speaker or I'm Caleb's mom or depending on where you are, that's how you introduce I'm a seminary teacher I'm a whatever and you love that I'm a superstar 
You're that's, not. Well, that's what I would want to say. That's what I kept thinking in my head. You can't. You have to say what you are. <laughs> Why can't I be that? That is mean. He I'm is Emily mean. Freeman. I'm mean. That's what you need to start yours as. Okay, listen. I'm about to push stop and start <laughs> No, it's going to be fine. Um, okay, so what I love is that he starts out and his descriptor, if he had a business card, it would say on there, Paul, and underneath it, servant of Jesus Christ. Don't you want that business card? Like, yeah, I totally want that. I just want to hand that out to people. This is, everything I do falls under this call. And you love when you meet people and they've just been like, I've been a follower of Jesus for like 12 years now. And yes. they kind of just identify. It's neat that he identifies himself, you know, yeah. as that thing. So that's one of the things we want you to be looking for first as you go through this is Paul, want, he just starts out the very beginning of this letter and is like, if you were wondering, if anybody is wondering, I am still committed to Christ. Mm. Um, that's, that's where I am. That's how I'm going to start this thing. And we put a list of a whole bunch of references through Philippians and Colossians of Paul just reminding you whose team he's on. That he, It's just very clear he is a servant of Jesus Christ. And what that's that what might look like. To. That's what he's doing. Um, and we, we went through and we just picked what were some of our favorites of those so you could see what you're looking for as you go through. Um, mine is in the same chapter, in chapter 1 of Philippians, in verse 21. And I just love when he says, it's just so simple, for me to live is Christ. Um, that, that's my life. That's what my living looks like. That's what wakes me up every morning and keeps me going forward every day. It's Christ. And that's his testimony, and that's his mission in life, and it's just who he is. It reminded me of a song that I loved so much when we were um, getting ready and planning and putting this on the board. I had to play it as our background music. You wish we were playing it the whole time. Um, by Christy Knuckles, who is one of my favorite. And the song is called, now I forgot it, Let It Be Jesus. Yeah. I was going to say, Just Give Me Jesus, but <laughs> no, that's another that's one that you're going to like. Let It Be Jesus. And you just want to get to the chorus. Also, you want to listen to it in the bathroom while you're getting ready and just sing it at the top of your lungs. That's, you should do it every morning. <laughs> also, also um, another thing I like about your verse, if yeah. I can add on one okay, other thing, you can. is when he ends, like, for me to live is Christ, and he says, and to die is gain. And he goes through and he just kind of says, look, I don't even care what happens to me. You know, If I live, I live in Christ, but if I die, I get to be with him. So if I get to stay, I get to serve all of y'all. Mm -hmm. If I die, I get to be with him. And I just love that he's just like, this is going to be great no matter what. The one I chose in that list is in Colossians chapter 3, and it's verse 16. It has a similar vibe to it, but just check this out. Right at the beginning of the verse, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And and I, uh, I, I love that thought mm -hmm. of just like, what if I everywhere I went... And all of my thoughts and actions were kind of came from a source that was already filled with um, with Christ. You know, like mm -hmm. just let him, let his words, let his like let, let, sort of like he started out. Like, we're servants of Christ. That's our identity. Like that's just in me, and it's in me, um, not poorly. You well, know, but and richly. I, and I want you to think of the word richly as. Um, if you are someone who paints or you're someone who does art at all, when you use rich colors, they are vibrant. They're, um, they're just like so full of life. When I read that word richly, that's what I think to myself is he's saying this, the words of Christ are vibrant in me. They are full of color. They are just full of all, mm -hmm. um, 
Everything you want to visualize that way, it's just such a good description. Yeah, or dessert is what I thought of. Okay. You know, when you like eat a dessert yeah, and you're and like, ooh, that yeah. is rich. Yes. You know, don't you want like... Full flavor, Yeah, vibrant, someone meets you and you're just, like, that guy's rich with Jesus. You know, <laughs> like I could just taste it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's so good. So um, the rest of you just look through all of these and they're just ways he describes what it means to him to be a committed follower of Christ. There's two other sections that kind of go with that that we want to focus on. Um, so I love as you um, turn to Colossians, so we're going to be going back and forth. Both books are really small, so just turn back and forth with us. If you'll go to Colossians, the first chapter, and a little bit of the second chapter, we're just going to look at two verses there. I love how he describes what it looks like to be committed and the words that he chooses to describe what committed looks like. In verse 23 of the first chapter of Colossians, um, you see where it says, if you continue in the faith, and then he's going to talk about these words, grounded, settled, be not moved. And then if you go over to chapter 2, verse 7, rooted and built up. And then in verse 10, complete. And I just love thinking about what do each of those words mean? What does that look like? What kind of commitment is that that he's talking about as you go through grounded, settled, not moved, rooted, built up, um, complete in him? What would that look like in your life? And if you were to take a minute and just go through each of these things and think, when is a time when I was grounded? When is a time when I was settled? When is a time when I was not moved in my testimony of Christ? Why? What did it look like? What was happening in your life? What were the actions you were taking that allowed that to happen? Um, as we visit through that, that's one thing we could say about Paul is he was all those things. He mm -hmm. was rooted and grounded and not moved. Um, and especially like we were talking about at the beginning, like for him to be in prison and to use words like I'm settled, you know, like I've just I've rested in this identity and in this belief and this is kind of who I am. I love when, you know, it says and be not moved. He says the end of that line is be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, right? Like stick close to like hope and, and good news mm -hmm. and, and those types of things. I also love that he uses words like um, continue mm -hmm. and and like complete that we put these yeah. other references up here one of them's in well they're both in Philippians but um, especially when we talk about being complete um, some person may think like well I'm never gonna be there but I love right Philippians you love this verse 2 and verse 6 where he says yeah be confident of this thing right and so what's neat about this is like Grounded and settled and not mm -hmm. moved doesn't mean well, done. And I love what he tells you. He wants you to be confident in Right. He's about to finish. Be confident in this, that he, meaning God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That be confident in the fact that God, who's already begun his work, is still kind of moving, mm -hmm. still in you. Do you remember that? Oh, sometimes on Sunday nights I watch church movies on Netflix. But, you know, I mean, just... Yeah. Jesus movies, yes. you know, they're yeah. all on there. They're so yeah. fun. And there was this one, I think it's, I think it's actually called Tender Mercies with Robert Duvall. Have you seen mm -hmm. this movie? And there's this guy and he's a musician and he's trying to like, um, 
uh, like get a career, but then like he struggles with alcohol, drugs, and anyways, he meets this lady and she kind of introduces him to faith in Jesus and, and he makes a change and he and his buddy decide that they're going to be baptized and become followers of Jesus. And so um, he does, and they're driving back from the baptism, and um, he looks up in the rearview mirror and then kind of over at his buddy, and he says, um, you know, uh, do you think our baptism worked? <laughs> and he said, like, what do you mean? And he said, I don't know. I just kind of look in the mirror, and I thought that I would be really different than who I was beforehand, but I, I feel kind of the same. Do you think the baptism worked? And then his friend says something really cool. He says back, oh, not yet. And just this idea, like, it's working in me, not yet. He that began a good work in you is going to keep performing it all the way until I Jesus love that comes. so much as you think about that. You've heard me talk a lot about our son, Garrett, who came into our home when he was 18 after a lot of struggle in his life. And um, from when Garrett was in ninth grade, every time he came over here, he would tell us he was going to play football, college football. I am going to play college football. And I kept telling him, no, there's no way. Um, because if you went to college, I'd have to go to college with you. And I don't have time to go to college with you right now. And But he would constantly say it. It just it burned in his soul that he was going to do that thing. And um, then he ended up from ninth grade, you know, going to jail and a lot of rocky paths that happened. And then when he was 18, um, kind of turned his life around and started going to church and wanted to know more about Jesus and, and actually became really passionate about following Jesus Christ and learning from him and started this progression that he's still continuing on, right? It's a, it's an ongoing progression, but, um, on, I'll never forget when he signed at the university of Utah to play football and they brought the papers over and it was his signing day. And I just looked at him and thought, who would have ever thought like, if you had asked me in ninth grade, or again when he was 18 and Greg picked him up off the curb, or a lot of other days besides those two, I would have told you, I don't think that's going to work out. But God had begun a work in him, and he was performing it. And in my scriptures right here, I have this little thing that says, sign here. Um, that's actually the little note that they put where they wanted Garrett to sign his name when he signed to play for the University of Utah. That I just keep in my scriptures as a reminder that God has begun a great work in it. We might not even understand how great that work is. If we came up with something we thought would be good, God probably is going to best that by 10. And and it doesn't end, right? It didn't end on the day Garrett signed at the University of Utah. God is still working in him. That's what he's doing. He has plans for him and he's going to perform it. And I love when you get over into um, Philippians 2.13 where it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That it's God who's going to make all those good things come to pass. And when it says to will... It means he's, he's not just going to hope it for you. He's not just going to think it in your behalf. But right after it tells us, and to do. He's actually going to perform it. He is able also to make sure that comes to pass. And as, as we just put our heart and our focus on him, and we say to him, you do what you want with my life, then we can move forward. Grace called this weekend, well, on Monday really, 
felt like the weekend because I was still out of town. <laughs> and um, she was talking about, Mom, what if you just had plan A? What if you didn't have plan B or plan C or plan D? Or if this doesn't work out, then this and this. What if plan A was just whatever God has in mind for me and you're mm. working as hard as you can for God? What if that's plan A? Yeah. Just working as hard as you can for God. Won't it all work out? And I was like, that is a good thought. Yeah. <laughs> like I, well, I, I can't see any fault in that reasoning. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is like, what does workout actually mean, right? Mm -hmm. And once we like put descriptions or put limitations or say like, this is what is supposed to happen, that's when we get frustrated. Well, and that's when we start thinking of plan B, right? Because right. we're like, well, I'm, I'm going like, to fix this. I need to, you know, But what if it wasn't it broken? You know, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like, what if it's not, what if it's not wrong? What if it's just like, if you, we, sometimes we set our own expectations for it. You know, we talked a little bit about that last week. And I think that's what kind of goes along with these verses right here yeah, that Paul talks so about. If you go over to chapter four, this is one of the verses that a lot of people know. A lot of athletes have this on their bats and football helmets and, and all these kind of things. But this is the context of it where he says, not that I speak in, in respect of what I... Okay, hello, once I would, could read. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Would you love, because where is he? Jail. Does he have want? I love that I just answered that you really like, <laughs> yeah. loud. Um, well, he has want, right? He, yeah. He has want. Imagine what he wants. Yeah. Um, but Food. he's like, I I've learned whatever state I'm in. To be content and why? That the question you should be asking yourself after that verse is, why? How how does he do that? Yeah, because he says this. You keep going. I know both how to be abased, which means in need, and I know how to be in need, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then here's that great verse everyone loves: I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Right, which means um, if with Christ as my guide, with Christ living in me, I can live as His disciple in times of abundance, and I can live as His disciple in times of need. Like I'm fine because I have Him, right? Like I don't have any of these other expectations of what I should be by a certain day or what He shouldn't allow me. Because Paul mm -hmm. could be tempted to say, followers of Jesus shouldn't have to go to jail. You know, and he's just like, but I've, I've taken away all of those expectations mm -hmm. and demands on him and said, mm -hmm. plan A. Yeah, whatever. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what God tells me to do today. And that's how he's content is he's mm -hmm. given up his own expectations and just said, I'll just live in Christ. Yeah. And yeah. that's what brings it's, it. It's such a different way of living and of thinking. It's just a different perspective and you go through and you. And you look at all these things, they're committed, um, they're grounded, settled, not moved, built up, complete. He's content where he is. He's going to let God perform his great work in him, whatever it is. It's just, it's such a unique way of approaching life right, every day. Right, and just that line again, you know, it's like, you know, has it worked? Are you done? She's mm -hmm. like, not yet. He's still doing his work yes. in me. Um, and we love that we're going to get to this part that's in Colossians chapter 3. And he's going to give, now he's going to give a list of, here's what you need to be doing. Um, and if you're in a spot where you, like we talked about, you need to find joy in that place. Or if you're in a spot where you need to find commitment 
or you need to, to find Christ, what it looks like to live in Christ. I love that he gives this, um, this list to you. He's going to start out in verse 11 at the very bottom, and he's going to say, listen, Christ is all and in all. Okay, let me, let me just tell you that this everything is Jesus. That's what it is. So put on, therefore, as the elect of God, and then he's going to give us this list that is so good that we want to talk about. But for a second, we want to talk about what does it mean to be elect? Um, because it's such an interesting word. We see it all the way through scripture. We've put a couple places um, down here where you, you will have seen that word before in scripture. Um, God calls Emma elect in the Doctrine and Covenants. He talks about the elect in a lot of different places um, all the way through scripture. This group of people who are the elect right. according and, to the covenant. And it kind of causes some people like some like uh, they brush up against that word wrong because they're thinking about the word wrong. Elect uh, also means in most other translations of the Bible, it's the chosen ones. Right. And sometimes like we hear that and we think that it is a status. Right. Like if I walked up to some people who are familiar with the phrase and said to them, you are chosen. You're a chosen generation. You're an elect people. Most people might respond back and say, well, thank, thank you. you. And it's like, wait, that's not normal. That's not <laughs> like a compliment. If I stopped you on the street somewhere and just said, you've been chosen, your right response to that should be, oh, uh, for what? You know, and that's what that means, right? You, you've you been picked, you've been chosen it's for something. It's almost like you something. want to think if, you, if we were out in the circle and we were going to play a kickball oh. in the circle. Okay, I was like, we were out in the, the, the cul-de-sac like, and we were going to play kickball and me and David were the captains and we picked our team and we go through and pick every other one and I choose you, right? That's what we say. I choose Chase. I choose Josh, I choose whoever you're gonna choose. And then they come over, and then what's their next question gonna be? What's my position? Where, who am I on the team? What do you need me to play? What do you need me to do? And when we hear someone tell us we are a chosen generation, that should be our response. Okay, what do you need me to do? What's right. my position? What, what's my job right now? And the overarching thing, right, in kickball, you'd say like, to play kickball, and for the house of Israel, it is to take God's rescue into all the world, right? Take the message and the hope of the gospel into all the world, right? That's the overarching, That's high right? High level. And then, okay, where do you need me to play right now? Yeah, am I third base? Right. Am I catcher? Am I pitcher? Right. Who am I and, and what's my job? And we love, like when Elder Maxwell says, like we're not claiming to be the most capable, right? Or, or the best at it. We're just saying we are available. Right, and that's what it means to be chosen. Chosen is someone who's chosen God first and said, "Yeah, I, I'd like to play." Yeah, you I put wanna, on I the wanna... jersey, and then you're like, "Okay, well, where where should I go?" And I think last week I had an interesting experience to be with um, a lot of women just talking about where um, where are we needed right now? Where is our voice needed, and what can we be doing to help build the kingdom? What does that look like for us right now? And it's made me have a really introspective week. And I wonder how long it's been since you have done this. When was the last time you asked God, what do you need me to do right now? What do you need me to do right now in my home? What do you need me to do right now in my community? What do you need me to be doing right now with my talents? Um, just going through each of those places and, and ask, what do you need me to be doing? Because there might be some things that he's like, yeah, 
I actually don't need you to be doing that right now because I need you to be doing this right now. And it's almost a place where we need to be checking in constantly of what should I do and what should I not do right now to help build the kingdom. If, if we're in the hastening and we have a prophet who keeps telling us the work is hastening, we're about to listen to general conference. When you've listened to this, we will have listened to general conference, but we haven't heard it yet. But you feel the momentum of, um, you know, it's, it's the, how many innings are in baseball? Take over the analogy. Nine. There are <laughs> nine. It's the bottom of the ninth the bottom inning. bottom of the ninth, everyone. <laughs> what should we be doing right now? And I good just, job I because you know stirring. it's like the postseason right now. Like the World Series is coming. So this was oh, good timing it was, it was for, good you timing. Say, okay. for you to say this. Go yes. Astros. Come on. Right? But I think Red it's Sox. also like. You meant Red Sox. Oh, no, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. But right here in verse 11, what you started with. To remember, because sometimes we look around and we do have expectations or demands, right? But I want to be doing this. And I really mm -hmm. liked when my season was this. And I think there is that great reminder there. Because Paul would love to say like, yeah, me too. I mm -hmm. loved when I was the missionary in Athens. Yeah. They had good heroes there. Like I loved, <laughs> the, uh, the, that was, that was, those were my best years there. But, but Christ is all and in all. Whatever the assignment is, whatever the position is, right? Christ is in that. Mm -hmm. You know, right? There's yeah. not a bad spot to play. Mm -hmm. So here's what he says. I'm just going to pull out some of these pieces because you love them. Um, what does it look like to be on this team, right? On the elect, on the chosen. What's the responsibility? What's that position going to look like? And he tells us, holy and beloved, you're going to have mercy, kindness, humbleness, meekness, long-suffering. You're going to forgive one another. You're going to have charity. Um, the peace of God is going to rule your heart. Can mm. you imagine? That's verse 15. Yeah. People love when we yeah. talk about Just yeah. the peace of God ruling your heart. What does that feel like when that happens? Um, I love that he reminds us to be thankful. Again, he's going to tell us, oh, this is the part you read actually already. The word of Christ dwell um, with you richly. We're going to teach each other. I love that we're going to sing um, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? That's going to be part of... What's happening there? Do you know um, that one song that's like, I've got an old church choir down in my soul? Oh, no. I such love a good, that. You want to sing that in the bathroom yes, in the morning. Yes, you do want to. Um, I love when he says this, whatever you do, whether it is word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, I love that part. He talks about what wives need to be doing, what husbands need to be doing, what children need to be doing. It's so funny because as I read all of them, I was like, the wives are going to hate theirs. And then I looked at the children and I was like, the children are going to hate theirs. And it may, I didn't even read the husband's ones. Oh, don't ever get mad at your wife. That's what it says. Don't oh, ever. Okay. Okay. Yes, um, and it is funny that sometimes being on the team, it has some uncomfortableness with it, right? It has some where you're like, I got to grow into that. I've got to work it out. How does that um, work for me? But then I love in verse 23, he goes through that whole list of everything. This is what it, what it looks like and, to be elect and, and chosen and, and have a position on this team. And before you do that, I love that he does mention like some specific, you know, positions in there. And just saying like all of this is in context of the bigger picture, mm -hmm. right? It's all like, remember like when Christ has been in you, it's going to affect the way you're a boss, the way you're an employee, the way you're a sibling. It's going to affect the way you're a mom, the way you're a... Husband, it's just going to affect every mm -hmm. single part of your life. For good. And that's right. what you have to remember. You're not being constrained. You're just for good. That's what's happening. And then I love when he says in verse 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily. 
Um, do it with your whole heart. Like if you're going to be on this team, then you got to be 100% on this team. Mm. That's what I want you to do. I just love the thought of that. Yeah. And I was, when you were reading, where does it even start? Oh, 12. Mm-hmm. I can't help but mention again at 12 that he just starts off with the word holy, which remember that word means set apart for a certain purpose. Mm-hmm. That's what the word holy means. Yeah, consecrated. Right. For a, for a particular purpose. And we said that what it does. And beloved. Like you've got to go into this knowing you're already loved, accepted, mm. um, embraced by the Father and the Son. Yeah. Like that that's, you know, those are the roots of it where it starts. And then we love that he's still using the phrase we talked about last week. So you might, you might want to marry this to last week's lesson where he talks about put on, therefore. Uh, remember we were having to put off. This is what you're going to let go of and put on instead of that. And this is what it's going to look like. It's just... A becoming process it's not an on off switch it's okay now add this and then add this and and while you're adding this if, if that if you're carrying too much you might want to let go of this right um, it, it's, it's that process of like the baptism did it work and um, it's it's that working. it's working yeah yeah and all these things are ways that he's teaching this is how you are a more effective servant of Christ mm-hmm. right salvation's not on the line with these Remember, Jesus saved us on the cross in the Easter tomb in Gethsemane. He saved us, right? It's discipleship that requires heart, might, mind, and strength. And that's what he's inviting us into. It's a process of becoming and increase and progression. To do Um, the work, right? To do the work Christ came to do, to rescue, right? That's just the neat thing. Um, Okay, we love this part here. Um, And it starts in Philippians chapter 4. Um, this part right here is known as the admonition of Paul. You might recognize that from the 13th article of faith. I had a roommate my freshman year at BYU who was um, an atheist, actually. Um, and uh, I went, you know, to BYU from Texas, and he and I was kind of like, oh, okay. And so he would ask me questions, and I took him to church one time, and then he asked weird questions. I was like, don't come back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is not good to I know, just kidding, sort of. But one day we're laying in bed, and he just says... What's the admonition of Paul? And I was like, from the 13th article of faith. And I was like, Paul's admonition? I don't know. I don't even know what that word means, you know? And then I remember he said to me, he was like, how can you say you believe something when you don't even know what it means? And so I was like, I, then I pretended I was asleep because I didn't know how to respond to that. But then the next day I was like, I, I should study and see what that actually means. What is he talking about? So if you went to the Articles of Faith, you would find out that the admonition of Paul is what well, Paul was kind of like challenging and admonishing and encouraging the saints of yep. Philippi. The early saints. Right, to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts, I put it start, we put it started in verse 4 where he just says, Here, here's one thing I want you to do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. <laughs> Right, we've got a hymn that says those things, right? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The and, Lord and is at hand. please look at the footnote for moderation because what we think moderation means and what the Greek translation really is is going to totally change how you look at that verse because what he's saying is let your gentleness be known to all men. Oh, don't you want to just be gentle with everybody? Yeah, it, it's almost, remember that the stories of like, George Albert Smith, I wasn't ever alive for him. I don't even know when he was the president of the church. Mm-hmm. But that's how everybody described him, right? That he was just known as a really gentle person. I remember hearing a story, of a biographer of him talking about him and saying, 
when he died, um, the president of the United States called to wishes, you know, well wishes. And then um, there was the nine-year-old newspaper boy mm -hmm. who knocked on the door just in tears and said about him, he was my best friend. Oh, that and, is so cute. And just like he just was known to be gentle for to any person that he ever, you know, came yep. in contact with. Make sure with. you put an exclamation mark down there so you don't forget that footnote. And you're going to want to do it again in six. Oh, with the be careful yep. part? Okay, mine doesn't want me to click. Okay, mine says be careful for nothing. And what it really means is don't be overly worried about anything. Because uh, careful for us means, okay, take care of that. Yeah. That's not what he's saying. Don't have he's anxiety saying, about Yeah, I don't want you things. to be overly worried about anything. Um, instead, what I want you to do is... Hand it over in prayer to God, right? He says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then you love this part. If you just do that, he says, don't don't worry about stuff. Don't be overly worried. Just hand it over in prayer and supplication because then you love what is going to happen in verse 7. Right? And the peace of God, and this is a, this is a important part, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have Meaning to do like, one more footnote. Right? Yeah, we're going to do that footnote in a second. But it's going to pass all understanding. It reminds you of when Jesus says, the peace I give you is not of this world. It's a different kind, right? That um, you're going to be content and peaceful in that no matter what's going on around you. And, and you're not going to understand why because you're going to say, I shouldn't be peaceful. Mm -hmm. but, but you will. And he says, this peace is going to keep your hearts. And if you look at the footnote of that word keep, it means um, to guard. Oh, right? I love that so much. It's just going to guard your heart. Because That's what's gonna happen. you have the temptation of your mind and heart being really frazzled or moving into places of doubt or moving into places of disappointment. And our hearts and minds can easily go to those places, mm -hmm. right? Especially when things aren't working out the way that we want to. So what is it that's going to guard our heart? He says, hand over your worries to the Lord in prayer. Know that he's in all and through all, that his work isn't done. And let that peace guard your heart from from falling apart, you know, yeah. from breaking, from yeah. from doubting and, and mm -hmm. all of those things. So, and we need to remember as we're going, this is going to be a long list of things, but part of this list is going to get um, familiar to us now. But the first thing is rejoice, be gentle, don't overly worry about things, be prayerful with supplication and thanksgiving, let the peace of God guard your heart and last of all he says and then he's gonna give us this list I really that wish you you'd love. read it out of the message so if I read it right now will you be looking it up yes. listen this is so funny because I get so many messages from people that are so worried that you love the message and I love the ESV and we hate each other's choice <laughs> we actually both really love both of those books he just leans more toward the message big surprise why is that a big surprise? And what I, do you want to say um, about that? I do love the ESV, it's true. But sometimes when you see a list of words like this, um, the message, because it's a paraphrased Bible, is such a fun place to just go into because it's going to give you those same words. It's like looking at a thesaurus. That's what you're doing. It's going to give you all those same words, but just a, a bigger, broader understanding. So this is what we know. We've heard it a million times. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Um, so 
the, let's hear what it says in there because I, as I recall, I love the last line. I can't remember, but I think I, I think I, it, that's you, where I come. You do, you really yeah. do. But I have to yeah. back up a little, starting in six, because that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. So good. Actually, the end of five when it says he could show up any minute. Don't you love that idea? It's like it says the Lord is nigh or something like yes. that. But he's like he could show up any minute. Okay, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worries at the center of your life. Oh. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Oh, I love it so much. And um, I just want you to read through that list and be like, let me think about the movies I've watched recently. Let me think about the books I've read. Let me think about the conversations I've had. But um, also that last line where it says, think on these things. Um, another phrase that works really well there is meditate mm -hmm. or ponder. Um, just take some time to consider all of those things on a regular basis and how are you doing with yeah. those things? And to start cataloging even outside of what you might call, like last weekend Fiona Givens was talking about um, Les Mis and she mm -hmm. quoted a line from the book and then she turned to the group and said, isn't that scripture, hmm. right? What was just said, there's so much in our life that is virtue. Don't remember that this comes after he says, don't worry about all of these other things. Settle your heart on things that are true and virtuous yeah, make and you happy. lovely. It's and the just good like, yeah. things of life. The happy See things all of, of life. You know, do all of those. Yep. And then this last line, that last line in yep. the message here so good. is so awesome because it comes right back to that someone asking, where's my position? Where's my part? And he says, listen, this is what you need to do. Just focus on these things. And then he says, and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Mm -hmm. Everybody can't play the same note and let him, or the same instrument, let him work you into this symphony that he is directing and just, you know. Oh, and everybody is, so is going to do their part. And I, I love when, he's, when he reminds us in 9, if, you, if you'll just learn and receive and hear and what you saw, if you'll just do all those things, then the God of peace shall be with you. That's what's going to happen is if you, if you are someone who is looking for peace, if you're looking for how to be content in hard places, these are two books that are going to tell you so much. But then I love what you're talking about that um, he's going to perform his work in us and we're each going to, we're going to do the thing yeah. that he needs us to do. We're going to fill that position. We're going to do, um, put on that jersey and then go out to third base or go out to, um, pitcher or whoever you want to be. I want to be that one guy in the middle that gets to run wherever he wants. What's his name? Shortstop. He doesn't get to go wherever he wants. Oh, what does he do? I mean, he has a position, but... <laughs> I'm, no I'm one put her in shortstop. She might end up in right field because she's so excited to go everywhere. <laughs> okay, I was close. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, good. He does get to move a little. <laughs> um, but we love at the end of this. 
Um, there's this list of people. You are going to love these people. Like, they're going to be people you've never heard of before. And that's what we love most yeah, about them. Is you, don't, you don't even know their names. And they're just playing their position, everyone. And they're doing such a good job in their position. And he kind of lists out what their positions are. Are you going to read one? Who are you, you going to do this I'm going to do We're just going to pick... We're going to pick... Um, just two of them, but go through and look what it is. What position are they playing? What, which, which part of God's excellent harmonies, you know, are they mm -hmm. doing in the spot? And it's so awesome that nobody knows who these people are. And they created the symphony of the New Testament mm -hmm. in the early church. Did you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, my guy is in Colossians 4 at the very end, verse 12. His name is Epaphras, <laughs> and we know from earlier in the letter that Epaphras is the one who started the little church in Coloss, and then has come over to Paul asking for advice, like, how, what do we do to help out with this, you know, and, and what should we do? And this is what's said about him. Paul writes, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ. Oh, don't you love that too? It's like <laughs> nobody, so everybody's much. all on the same one together, <laughs> Right saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. And the position Epaphras is playing at that time is laborer in prayer. Oh, that, I love that job so much. That he works in prayer. He's mm -hmm. just like, all I can do is, I, I remember a, a time, and maybe I've told the story before, that um, you know how we tell people, like, thank you for praying for me, like I felt the power of your prayers. I, I will admit that for a while I said that to people and I was lying. Like <laughs> I just thought, felt like it was the nice thing yeah. to say to somebody. And I, I just can remember the first time when I genuinely felt strength come. And then um, I found out from Jenny, she said, hey, Nate, who's my nephew, um, fasted for you for the first mm -hmm. time in his life. And uh, it was so meaningful to me because I can, I remember the surge of strength that came into my life um, at that time with those who were praying. And I got home and a friend of mine down the street said like, hey, are you okay? Did things work out okay? We were praying for you. And I stopped him and I was like, were you really? <laughs> because if you're just saying that to be nice, you shouldn't do that anymore because it really, <laughs> you know, because it is, I'm, it's not just a nice phrase. Like you really, can labor in faith and, and prayer changes mm -hmm. things and it brings down the powers of heaven. Well, it's a request and God answers those requests is what happens. And and uh, and sometimes in ways we don't know or whatever, but it's real. And mm -hmm. I love that his position is, listen, sometimes we'll say this line, man, I can't really do anything. All I can do is pray. And what I want to say to you is that as a beautiful part of God's excellent oh, harmonies it's so to just true. pray. In fact, when I have really hard things going on, one of my favorite things to do, and I've talked about this before, but actually it is such a comfort to me. Um, when things that are hard are going on over here, I just text my friend Nish and all I have to say to her is light the candle. Um, and that is, that is her invitation to just start praying for you all through the day. And how it works at her house is she actually has a special candle she lights. She puts it right in the middle of her kitchen, and every time she walks past it and sees that it's still burning, she stops right then and prays for you. So that it's, you are just constantly, don't you want to do that? Do you I a am about to buy a candle on I Amazon know. right now. I a love it candle. so much that it's just, all, that's all I have to say to her light the candle. She just knows what to do right when I. Here's the problem. Say that. Let me tell you the problem. Emily is so compassionate as a person 
that um, you're going to have like 98 <laughs> candles in your house and you're going to burn this house down. Okay, that yeah. is what's going to happen. You great. can't do the candle. I, I the will. I candles so much. I only have room for three. Um, okay, you love also in this chapter, there is a man whose job is to be a faithful minister, which has extra meaning um, in our generation, in our time, because of what it means to be a minister. And he wasn't just a minister. He was a faithful minister. But then there is one man... We are foreshadowing for you right now. Everybody, you oh. put this name down somewhere. You mark it because we're about to come back. Um, this man is about to become one of your favorite people in the entire New Testament. And you may have never heard of him before, but oh, we love him. We Like, this is one of our best guys, everybody. So Grace is going to be so happy that you just said that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brethren, Brother, I mean, a faithful and beloved brother. He was twins for a second. Who is one of you? Ooh, there it is again. I know. Who's one Who's of you? Who's one of you? He's on the team. Yeah. This guy is on the team. We should have worn jerseys. No, I should did. We start over? This is actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want you to remember Onesimus. What was his job? Just to be a faithful and beloved brother. That was his job in mm. the church. Mm -hmm. um, but that's going to come into play in a couple chapters from now. So you can't wait to meet Onesimus. I promise you can't wait. So just write that name somewhere. You don't want to forget it. And just, it. are we allowed to say this? No. Are you uh, going to give it away? I'm just going to be surprised. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. You okay. Can say that. And I just want to say this. <laughs> I just asked permission <laughs> behind the phone. You are going to be surprised that he's even on the team. He's yes. someone that you would think, no, he doesn't, get to, he doesn't get to play on it. And you're like, yes, he does. Everybody gets to play a part and all they have to do, they're, you're chosen. Chosen to play a part on this, to be a and part of God's harmonies. And we love that God is the chooser. He's such a better chooser than we would be. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. This is so good. I hope this made you really happy. It was written to kind of like bring joy to the saints from a jail. And we hope that that was a, you know, the experience of everybody here. Yep. Okay. We'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.